Yes, good morning, Adelaide. Uh, we're a couple of men down this morning, actually, as the uh, clouds lift and start to break. A bit of rain about overnight, but it started to clear up perfectly for Dead Set Legends this morning. And I'm in studio sitting here by myself uh, at the moment. We have Tomo. He's away on his Bucks party weekend today, so he is not in the studio. We're joined by Timmy Pine in studio. It's good to be here, mate. No Ferg either. No Ferg as well. And, you know, when Tomo's uh, out playing, I'm in. All right, that's the way it rolls. That's right. Okay. Piney's in the studio, so it's uh, it's a one-man band at the moment. It's the, the Rocky show, but uh, <laughs> we're expecting Ferg to be here at some point. He, uh, he's flown up to Sydney for the, the one-day game today, but uh, he's yet to surface in the Triple M studios in Sydney at the moment. So. Actually, actually, just have a look there. I think he's coming through. Ferg, you there, mate? Yeah, Ro- Rocky, I've been oh, sitting here waiting. Just, jeez, you love hogging the limelight, <laughs> don't you? Welcome, Pig's got the nose in the trough over there trying to cash in while we're away. And and I'm sitting here waiting on mute, clearly. I'm trying to talk to you. Piney's dragged my volume down. It's good to be here. What a sad day. Uh, I'm just a bit flat that uh, you decided to leave me out of the intro. Yes, it's a a big Saturday, as we said before. Tomo's Bucks party, so we'll get to him a little bit later. He'll be... uh, Nearly on the bus, I would have thought, uh, travelling down from Strath to the races, I think he's going today. So how is it up in uh, Sydney? You're there for the one day today. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Australia, England, Australia with the upper hand already. But uh, it's looking a nice day, 25. uh, Not too many clouds to speak of. It was an early start. Got on a a. 6am flight out of Adelaide and really pumped for this afternoon. Yes, uh, there's plenty to cover today. We've got Sean Burgoyne on the show, Dale Penny, who's uh, actually a caddy on the live circuit, oh, yeah. Adam Crossway as well, So, and all the regulars as well, Rusty's uh, last update for the year. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Triple M's Dead Set Legends for your Saturday morning. Tom Rockcliffe and Cal Ferguson. Minus Tomo. <laughs> morning. Triple M's Dead Set Legends for your Saturday morning. Tom Rockcliffe, Cal Ferguson, and Tomo, Sean Burgoyne on the phone in eight minutes. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, he'll be a great chat. But uh, we, we're going to talk about the cricket now. And obviously England are over here. Uh, they've just triumphed in the World Cup. And they're taking on the Aussies in a one-day series now. And Australia desperately needing a win. They got one the other night. Rocket Adelaide Oval. Chased down 288 uh, pretty comfortably with about four overs to spare. Steve Smith back in form. Our man, though. Did you watch much of our man, Travis Headbat? 60-odd, batted beautifully, didn't he? Yeah, sensational. He'd be disappointed the way he got out. He was uh, trying to put it over the fence, but uh, a very classy innings. Was was the crowd a little bit disappointing for you, Ferg? I I had a look on TV, and there there didn't seem to be a great deal of people there. Yeah, just over 15,000, Rock. Look, to be honest, I wasn't expecting much uh, coming off the back of the World Cup. We had some pretty big fixtures at Adelaide Oval, which uh, put us on the map. A lot of eyes on Adelaide Oval, which is great, along with Liv. We've uh, we've managed to bring a lot of great stuff into Adelaide. But, um, look, it was down a little bit uh, on what uh, you'd probably normally expect, no doubt. But uh, on the back of the World Cup, I'm not too surprised. The uh, the series now goes comes up to Sydney. I'm up here now uh, calling with... Triple M cricket, we rock the cricket, no doubt about it. And I'll tell you what, uh, Chris Dittmar came in and had an impact the other day at Adelaide Oval. Did you catch any of his call? Yes, he was. Uh, he just slotted in very nicely, didn't he? Yeah, look, it, it was a duck to water. But uh, I must admit, it, there was a few eyebrows raised with some of his uh, some of his enlightenment around where the field fielders were at different <laughs> stages. And, uh, 
you know, we were all a little bit concerned that he might suggest that uh, Mitch Stark was resting down in the forward pocket at some stage. But uh, I remembered he, he, he said, look, the field's spread out on the leg side. We've got a, a deep mid-wicket, a deep mid-on. And I, I was having a look around. Couldn't find the deep mid-wicket. He was around at fine leg. <laughs> <laughs> Gave him a little heads up on uh, what was happening there. But to be honest, like I said, he was a duck to water. But this uh, this series, look, the Australians have started well. They needed to on the back of the World Cup, Rock. Um, you know, there's been a lot of commentary around how that uh, how that series went for them and the uncertainty around the, the side. Well, we've regained a little bit of certainty. David Warner in good form at the top of the order. Steve Smith coming out and saying it's the best I've felt in six years. Now, that's huge news for the Aussies. Um, a lot of cricket coming up, really important stuff. West Indies, but the big one, South Africa in the Test Series uh, later in the summer. That's that's huge for us. Steve Smith saying something like that. It, it'll feel like um, for a lot, of, uh, a lot of fans out there, bit of safety you know we, yeah. we, we've got Steve Smith back up and running David Warner's, Warner's in form uh, and even Travis Head as well we know how important he's been in the middle order for the test side so look it'll be important again for the Australians to back it up they'll want to be really convincing in this series on the back of that World Cup try and take distract from the the T20 World Cup failure and you know hopefully lead in really well into a big test summer. What do they do with the bowling lineup? Do they go with two spinners again or does Hazelwood come back in and, and one uh, spinner make way? Yeah, look, I think Ashton Agar might go out. Um, it was a dryish wicket at Adelaide Oval, um, but it, it certainly had a nice grass covering. Unless they see a really bare SCG wicket, which you know isn't uncommon from time to time in short form cricket, I, I think uh, Hazelwood will come back in for Agar, and it'll just be Adam Zamper. I think that's uh, that's the right balance for this side, unless it's outrageously dry. Yeah, you uh, think the Aussies will get it done again today? A bit of rain about, you said, uh, maybe this afternoon as yeah, well. Yeah, potentially late in the evening, but uh, I'm not expecting it to, to affect the game, to be honest. I, I, look, I think Australia will win this series 3-0. I'm expecting England to be a little bit flat and um, coming off the big win. And, and to be honest, you know, to, <laughs> I'll tell you what Josh Butler didn't need after all those celebrations. <laughs> was a, it was a 3-for-20 situation, yeah. having to come out and grind. But oh, I think the Aussies will get it done pretty convincingly and they'll move to Melbourne and then win again 3-0 for me. Um, but that's, uh, you know, what we'd expect from the Australian side in their home conditions, Rock, I think. Yeah, clean sweep. I think uh, you're on the money there, Fergus. Uh, next up, we're joined by Shawnee Burgoyne. Yeah, Triple M's dead set legends. All your sports news first for your Saturday morning. Triple M's dead set legends. Tom Rockliffe, Cal Ferguson and Tomo. It's Tomo's Bucks day today. We'll take the piss real soon. <laughs> He's yes, uh, MIA at the moment, but we're joined now by Triple M's own Sean Burgoyne. Uh, he's joined us on the back of McHappy Day today. Sean, thanks for joining us. Hey, boys. How are you? Very well, thank you. How, well. how did you uh, get involved with McHappy Day and what's it entail today? <laughs> well, yeah, obviously um, I was approached by um, some representatives to be, you know, just um, as an ambassador for McHappy Day and, you know, just bring some more attention to it um not that i'm gonna <laughs> add too much so <laughs> 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 they've been they've been going for 31 years and raised over 61 million dollars so <laughs> um I'm, I'm don't sell yourself shorty <laughs> sean we're all about self-promotion at this station <laughs> <laughs> so no i just try to help out and bring a bit more attention to it and it's a happy day so 
Um, yeah, I'll be popping into one of the McDonald's as well. So hopefully I don't burn the fries. That's oh, <laughs> brilliant. Beautiful. And uh, you're also down at Port Adelaide as well. You're uh, a man of about 15 different job titles down there. What's your uh, main role down there? <laughs> yes, you've, you've uh, um, yeah, I've got a lot of different roles, but no, I think, um, <laughs> um, I'm still scattered out um, across the club. So um, predominantly just helping with development with the players, um, you know, trying to help them upskill them the best as possible. So that way, when Ken needs them on game day, um, they can do what he wants. And so just a bit of that, bit of mentoring, um, bit of stuff in the community with with uh, the government corporate relations. So still scattered out. There's a lot there. So in the last two weeks, I've been planning, you know, for pre-season. So when the boys hit back Monday, it all systems are go. No, it's huge for Port to have you back around the club, mates. And uh, how have you enjoyed being back in Adelaide? I reckon I spotted you uh, from a distance. We were both snowed under with kids at the Royal Adelaide Show a while back. But uh, how have you enjoyed settling back in to the Adelaide lifestyle? Yeah, it's uh, no, it's really good. Yeah, that's the first show my kids have ever been to. <laughs> we, never, <All> right. <laughs> we never took them in Melbourne. There was too many people. Uh, I can imagine. They love the Adelaide show. Um, very expensive though, <laughs> but that's yes. been good. It's very good um, being back near friends, and you know the kids can go up um, with their cousins as well. Both, you know, my family and my wife's family. So it's it's been enjoyable so far. Um, and how have you found the transition uh, from playing into the media? You've obviously uh, slotted in with uh, our very own station here, Triple M Rocking Footy. Uh, how have you found the transition out of playing? Do you miss playing? Yeah, I did. I, well, I found the start of the year actually pretty hard, to be honest, watching rounds probably one to five because your, your mind thinks you can still play. Um, the body's saying something different, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, when you, put on, when you put on five or six kilos and, you know, your knees, your knees, back, ankles, shoulders are all aching. So, um, you know, I, I did miss the game a little bit there. But as you, as you said, Lynn, you know, you, you, you kind of accept you're in a new role and, you know, then you start to get excited to watch, watch the game and um, see players, you know, chase their dreams. And, you know, I think staying involved in footy with radio and TV has made the transition a little easier because you're still get that excitement to perform. It's a different type of mm. performance, you know, commentating, but yeah, you still get a bit of a buzz. So I've been very lucky in that transition. You must be excited by what the footy club was able to do throughout the trade period, the drafts um, on our doorstep as well. The, the pre-season uh, for Port Adelaide, how does it look before Christmas? Is there a, a training camp this year? Yeah, it is. They've done extremely well getting, you know, I think Junior Junior Rioli and Jason Orn Francis and I think uh, Frankie Evans from, from Geelong. So... They've done really well to get those guys in to add to the, you know, the talented group they've got. So um, I think they're planning a, a, a pre-season to uh, somewhere to Queensland at the moment. So um, they're, you know, sorting out all those things. But, you know, all pre-seasons, as you know, rock are, are really hard. So yeah, thankfully I'm, the, you know, potential <laughs> part-time coach. So I can watch and, you know, you can, you can just watch and watch the boys, you know, bust their ass and, you know, laugh at them, you know. So instead of being the one at the back being laughed at, Sean, what have you enjoyed the most about uh, your role, new role at Port Adelaide? And, and I, I think the next question, uh, double barrel here, um, have you got any game day roles with the club? <laughs> yeah, so what I do like is you're staying actively involved with the playing group. Um, I think it's you know a really good workplace to come to where you can come to work and still be a part of the coaching group with you know, 15, 15 or so coaches and then join in with the players and still be connected to the game. So... Um, feel like I've got something to offer and helping develop, but you're still staying easily connected to the group. Um, yeah. And as for game day, 
no, I don't actually have a game day role, which is nice. So uh, <laughs> I don't actually want a game day role, which is which is nice. So I get to do a bit of media stuff and um, with either Triple M or Channel Seven and travel and, and do a bit of that stuff as well. So beautiful. But I do watch I do watch um, the games on on repeat, so I know exactly what the players have done and did and what to speak to the players about on Monday or Tuesday as well. And that's brilliant. Thank you very much, Sean Burgoyne, for joining us. And uh, make sure you get out there and go to McDonald's today for McHappy Day and support the charity. The overnight, the overnight Thanks, scoreboard Sean. next. Triple M. 19 degrees for your Saturday morning. Triple M's dead set legends, Tom Rockcliffe, Cal Ferguson and Tomo. Tomo's not here. you got Tim Pine in for Tomo. Soon we'll recap Triple M's hike for hope yesterday. Was it 100K raised? Right? Yeah, I think it was. Oof. Yeah, they ticked over 100k. So uh, it was a 30 kilometer walk, three different walks, but uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, Thursday afternoon, switched uh, the TV on, sitting in the grandstand, and uh, a bit of disturbing mail, Fergus, came across. You and Greg Blewett out there, ready to do a pitch report and marching orders. Get off. Incredible scenes. Rock. I could not believe it. I. Out there, you know, got the hands on the deck, just trying to feel whether it's uh, a bit drier, and it was. And you know, check out the the coverage of the grass on the on the wicket, and Bluey's swanning about out there, looking pretty. He's looking in looking in his reflection on his phone, just making sure every hair's in place. I'm yep. actually doing some work out there, and anyway, we uh, we come together and we start listening in, and we're thinking we're about to go to air, and we get a tap on the shoulder from uh, some CA official with accreditation wrapped around their neck, and uh, gentlemen, what what do you think you're doing out here? And we're just like, well, you know, we've got the field of play lanyards on, you know, like we've we've got the run of the show. Uh, Greg Blewett, you know, he's got a huge portrait out the back of the Western Stand and the members, which he alluded the uh, the set official to um, a number of times during the conversation. <laughs> um, then mentioned his uh, his test stats and average, and, and I thought, hang on, sorry, Blewett, I'm going to have to stop you there. We, look. We're just out here. We're looking to do our uh, pitch report, which we um, we had planned the whole time. And the the fella said, "Look, we're we're going to have to get you off the ground. It's you know it's getting too close to start time." So we had to make our way Booted. off of the cut stuff, which you know it's a bit uncomfortable when you're in the media. You know you don't really want to be out there. That's the players' area, but um, you know certainly Bluey felt like he was uh, <laughs> he should have been there, and he had every right to be there, and he made that known and. You know, he, he didn't uh, – I thought he was going to stop short of saying, don't you know who I am, but he didn't, and he went for it. <laughs> <laughs> and off we went, Rock. It wasn't pretty. Two South Australian greats, Pine, just yeah. kicked, got their marching orders. They did, they did. Off Adelaide Oval. So uh, you didn't get to do the pitch report. Why Why was it? Was it a, bit, a timing thing or just uh, they didn't want you out there? Apparently it was a timing thing, but uh, there was still a good 15, 20 minutes before the game started, Rock. But you know what? Get out of the road. Let the players do their thing on the cut stuff. Just, you know – head ourselves off towards the boundary and do our pitch report from over there. But uh, look, to be honest, you know, it's always great to be out on the Adelaide Oval. It's always great to to listen to Bluey pump his own tyres up and start <laughs> telling everyone what a great player he was. Ferg, have you ever heard Bluey say, don't you know who I am? Out and about. <laughs> Come on, be honest. Uh... I, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't heard those words leave his mouth at some point. <laughs> I might have embellished on this occasion, but yeah, it's, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't. And uh, up next, our man Tomo, he's, he's got his Bucks party, but uh, he'll be making his way down on the bus, I think, at this point. Uh, we've got a little uh, tribute to him uh, just before he goes and ties a knot. <clears throat> Beautiful.
Look Demo. forward to that. And my understanding is that it was quite an early start to rock today. Ooh. And espresso martinis with your bacon and egg roll was my word. Ooh, on at the 8 o'clock. <laughs> in for a big one. Could get a bit messy. It's a bit la da isn't it? Triple M. <laughs> yeah, no Tomo today. The man's got another show. He does. He's got he's another got, show. He's got he does. Buck show today. So uh, <laughs> he's not with he us. Is. He's on the espresso martinis at 8 o'clock this morning. Well, that's Burgos. it. With the bacon and egg roll. It's an interesting combo. Not one I would have gone with myself, but uh, just get this, the ice-cold frothy in my hand with that bacon and egg roll. But each to their own, Rock. Yeah, certainly is. He's uh, he's done some questionable things with this Bucks party as well. We'll, oh. get, we'll get to that a little bit later. Some GA tickets or something like that to the, mm. to the races. But yeah. uh, Bucks parties are about taking the mickey out of the buck. So no, that's right. We yep. thought we would look back and see how far Tomo's come from when he applied for a job. G'day all, I'm Mark Thomas, 23-year-old lad from the country, and I lay bricks. Oh no. I feel like I've got a little bit more to offer than just being the worst singing tradie on site though. Even that's debatable. I'm a pretty casual bloke really. I love my family and sport and always enjoy heading down the pub for a few beers with the boys. Look, we rip shreds off each other, but it's all in good fun. I've had a passion for radio for a few years now and finally grown a set and decided to have a crack. Growing up in the sticks, you got two options. It's either sport. Or sport. <laughs> for me, it was country football. <laughs> I'm as passionate today as I was when I started playing at the under-8s for the Mighty Meadows Football Club. Oh, goodness. Two hours every Saturday with no worries whatsoever. Not about the mortgage, work, or even the missus. <laughs> you and 20 others trying to achieve the ultimate. How good's that? You certainly have some fun oh. off the field too. No beer tastes as good as the first one after winning the change rooms. And the mateships you make, they're made for life. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't change it for the world. <laughs> You're on the M's with Tomo here, the Savo. Now, I walked in this morning and I saw I was playing this jam. It takes me back to warm <laughs> campfires out of Kaibo Forest with swags, marshmallows, and the parents having way too many froths. <laughs> it's quite embarrassing for me, actually, because I used to belt this track out. Oh, great memories. It's Jimmy Barnes and Working Class Man. 104.7, Triple M. Righto, it's time for Tomo's Toast. Technology and kids. Now, I know what you're thinking. Tomo, you're a dumb bricklayer from the country. You don't need to know this. And you know what? You're spot on. Honestly, though, if we got sent to our room, it was a crime. We hated it. Now it's a luxury for these kids. They got their iPads, iPhones and laptops. All we wanted to do was kick the footy, swim in the dam, or try and ride the bloody donkey. My six-year-old cousin had my phone the other day and was showing me all these new features on Snapchat, and I had no idea that we were even there. Now I'm meant to be the older, wiser, role-modelling cousin here, and this little toy have shown me up. Oh, what a feeling. Toyota. 104.7 Triple M. Tomo here, push and playing a few jams this morning. Now this next one. Crank it up. Want the whole workplace singing, please? Oh, Mick Jagger and the boys. Mm, probably can't even remember writing this beauty. It's Start Me Up by the Rolling Stones. Triple M. <laughs> Alright, so that was Tomo's first oh, demo tape. Is that right? Yeah. Goodness me. I'm surprised he got employed off the back of that, to be honest. <laughs> Good song choice. I'm, as not, well. I'm not sure Charlie had heard that before he <laughs> she said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Incredible scenes. But I'll tell you what else uh, we've got up our sleeve here. I mean, he's, to be honest, a couple of weeks ago, he had one of the toughest days of his career, I think, even tougher than the demo tape. I mean, trying to spit out a word became quite an effort for him, didn't it, Rocky? Yeah, it was it really did. difficult. He had his tongue tied from ball one, and we've got a little bit of a, a special playlist right here. 11 minutes past 9 o'clock for your Saturday morning at Adelaide. Don't tell me you got the full whack not for doing any commentation last night, boys. <laughs> commentation? Is that a word? That's my opinion. Uh, and what are yours, Fergus? Sorry. 
<laughs> we woke up Saturday morning to see Ronald McDonald from the Mount Barker, <laughs> from the Mount Barker McDonald sitting in the uh, in the marquee. Hamburglered him. There was an infamous, uh, infamous cashier, I should say, which is which is quite strange. <laughs> really battling today. It's on wow. If he's talking like that, I'm uh, I'm a bit worried what he's going to be like after about race four or five today. Oh, no. But uh, good night, happy Bucks Day, Tomo. Yeah, is there a yeah, Stobie pole there as well? Oh, there better be. A Jeez, I reckon pole. there might be. I'll tell you what else we've got coming up. We've also got Loz coming on later in the show, Rocky. We've got yes. her coming on. It'll be interesting to hear uh, how she's gone on the invite front, whether she's made it onto the Buck Show trip, the, the the Hen Show, or whether she got an invite to the wedding. My word on the street is she might have come up short in on all fronts. We'll Triple Ed later. Dead Set Ledgers. You got Tom Rockcliffe, Cal Ferguson, Tom O. Triple Ebbs, Dead Set Legends for your Saturday morning. Tom Rockcliffe, Cal Ferguson and Tomo. Triple Ebbs, hike for hope yesterday. Rocky, you did the walk. Yeah, I oh, did. Yes. I jumped in with Dit. So uh, we left Port Adelaide and made our way on a bit of a merry-go-round almost. We didn't, it wasn't direct, straight down Port Road to get into the city. It was uh, a little bit of left and right and uh, ended up down by the river down there at uh, Adelaide Oval for the rush hour OB last night. So fantastic effort by uh, all involved, particularly the, the breakfast crew there. They raised over $100,000, so uh, Rue, Dits and Loz, um, youth opportunities, puddle jumpers, and kickstart for kids. So What a uh, great cause, Rock. An amazing effort yesterday, and uh, this is a, a little insight of how it went. Triple M Breakfast with Rue, Dits and Loz. The 2022 Hike for We Hope. are off and running up Port Road, and I've got Erin with me from Youth Opportunities. Yeah, morning, Dad. Thanks so much for being a part of this uh, today. Rue, you've got a special guest with you as well. Got Ian Steele, the founder of Kickstart for Kids. Steely, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Rue. Great to be here with all the guys. And we just got a random $50 from a bloke in the youth off to work. Yep, just driven, driving past, gave us 50 bucks. What a great man. Yeah, Loz, how are you going out in Salisbury? Absolutely brilliant. Lots of tooting going on already. We're on a main road. Um, <laughs> you got your shirt off or something? <laughs> no, it hasn't come to that yet. But I, for this charity, I will do anything, Rue. Um, I've right. got Mel from Puddle Jumpers. Good morning, Mel. I'm already a little bit sore. We had our volunteer awards night last night till very late. <laughs> Tommy Rockliffe from Dead Set Legends with me. Tommy, a couple of donations from uh, tradies just driving along. Yes, that's how. I used to get paid at Port Adelaide. I used to get the cash on the side. So they think I'm still playing, but no, it's for youth opportunities today. Rue, as they promised, I've arrived at Albert and Oval and we've got the Living Choice Retirement Village bus waiting here for me, just in case we, oh, just in case we jump in. Hey, uh, another big donation has just come in, everybody. $3,000 I've got from Solitaire Automotive. Just hit Main North Road. I don't know if you can hear the, uh, the traffic. It is humming. How's everyone going? Can we get a cheer? I'm struggling to get donations at the moment. I'm walking past Cheltenham Cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> Jump in there, Dad. Have a lay down. <laughs> I've tried. None of them are responding. Oh, hey, our good mate at Termite at B Frank Insurance, a thousand bucks. Good on you, Termite. Oh, if you beautiful. need your insurance, well, yeah, uh, B Frank Insurance. They are great people. Just rolled into Peter Kittle Toyota. Fantastic people at Peter Kittle. I know they've donated, so we're stopping in to say good day. Yeah, they did a thousand dollars, three hundred and thirty-three dollars to each charity. Lost. Just got a quick little text message from Darren Thomas from Thomas Foods. He's chucking in $1,000 to uh, help our course, so thank you to uh, Darren. Selix Constructions called through with 300 bucks as well. Good on you, Steve. How's your calculator going, Lars? 75, is it? 
Yep, 70, yep. I think so. Oh, that's all. Yep, 75,000. Sure. How good you know, Let's I get can't. to 100, everybody. Come on, Adelaide, get Come behind on, us. Adelaide. Let's get to 100,000. Come on. Yeah, an amazing effort, and really? it was a great day had by all. We uh, had a few kids join us. We went to a school on Ditter's Walk, but then we all met Fergus. We uh, we got to the barbecue Weber store down there at Mile End, and uh, all got in there for a big feed. They looked after us down there, and it was uh, I got about four or five k's in Fergus, and uh, <laughs> had to sprint to the chemist. Oh no! What's happened? I needed Vaseline. I had the bike shorts on, chafing. Those thighs have just uh, pushed a little closer together in retirement. Oh, rock. They, they're they're <laughs> cutching the whole time now. So uh, I haven't done much exercise, and, and thirty k's took it out of me. But I got about four or five k's in, and uh, had to make a quick pit stop. Oh, mate, and uh, those pints would have gone down beautifully, responsibly too. Once you got to the pub afterwards. Yeah, they did. It was a, a really good day, um, as I said before, and um, we didn't have a big crew with us. Um, ditzes, we just sort of pondered around, and as I said before, we couldn't go straight down and, and stopped at a few different uh, people that supported LJ Hooker down there on Grange Road and a few different venues. But the last, after lunch, it just started to, to belt down with rain, so that was a, oh, a tough, <laughs> tough little leg at the end but uh, as I said before it was everyone was super pumped when uh, when we finished and we got there and you could just sit down and enjoy and talk about uh, the journeys uh, the walks were all as I said before were all different um, Loz, Loz's team they were they were running about 45 minutes late for oh, uh, for lunch Fergus they uh, she claims that they got lost or they couldn't walk on the main road I'm not sure I'm, I was I, hoping it might have been because they just couldn't help but stop for all these donations coming in, of well, which there were plenty. There was plenty, and uh, people are very generous. But uh, I'm not sure what happened. They, they was, I'm going to say they were super slow. They were uh, right. Loz would have been at the front talking, gas bagging, and uh, <laughs> we were with Dits, and he just head down and charged. And Brilliant. Dits had a massive day. Like you think about what he did on Thursday. He, he we had, need to run through this, Rock. We yeah. do. I mean, he, he obviously had the breakfast show the day before, and then did the full ODI on debut too. That would have been quite a quite a big one for him. You know, would have spent a lot of en- nervous energy as well. Then tipped some responsible uh, cold Coopers froffies in after that uh, after that game with the rest of the call team, and then up at you know Sparrows early in the morning to get on this walk. Quite a remarkable effort from the great man. Yeah, it was. They, they all did a, a great job, and you should have seen Rue at the end. His knee blew up. He could. Oh, he, uh, no. he soldiered on. He, an outstanding effort and, and a great a great achievement by the breakfast crew here, the, the hike for hope. Dead Set Legends, Triple M. A few showers, about 19 degrees in North Haven right now. Triple M's Dead Set Legends, Tom Rockcliffe, Cal Ferguson, and Tomo and Loz on the show in 10 minutes. Yeah, she is. We'll, uh, we'll chat to her about Tomo's bucks and uh, oh, yeah. whether she got the call up or not. But uh, mentioned just before the break that the AFL have reached an agreement in principle. <clears throat> Excuse me, with Tasmania for the 19th team. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How's a little th- uh, frog, <coughs> frog in the throat there. Those, uh, those agates just dropping a little yes. bit. <laughs> um, a little bit dry. AFL boss Gillian McLaughlin and Tasmanian Premier Uncle Jeremy Rockliffe uh, announced the agreement on Friday in Hobart. So it's a great step forward for the AFL. I don't know how this operates, Fergus, because you're going to go to 19 teams and then mm. you're going to have a team that has a buy every week, I assume, yep. unless you go to 20, 20 teams. But I, I don't know where it ends. I think it's great that Tasmania get a team, but I, I don't like the idea of the 19th because it, it just throws everything out of whack a little bit. 
Yeah, it does, and it makes it a bit clunky. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether they maintain a buy round um, or whether that just gets spread even further or whether they just go back to one team having the buy each week. It'll be really interesting to see how they format that. But, um, you know, look, I'm... I'm interested in how this will this will all work out as well, and there's a few concerns. You know, when's it actually going to take place? Um, do we know that yet, Rock? Um, I don't think so. No, no timeline on it. I mean, that's I find that it's a bit of an empty sort of. It's almost a, just a, a, a bubble with not a not a lot about it. It's um, look great that they're going to be the next one. We don't know when it's going to be, but also. I do have concerns about the depth of talent as as well um, when this comes in. You know, we've already seen a Gold Coast Suns, geez, they battled and and they continue to battle. They've been a, an absolute basket case for and just a a real black hole for for money coming into the game, which could be spent in the at the grassroots. I believe um, I, this is just a lot of concerns for mine. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, a little bit as well. You speak to a lot of people in Tasmania, and there's. There seems to be um, two um, thoughts down there. That one is that uh, they should get the team, and everyone will get behind it. A little bit like the Jack Jumpers, but I don't think a lot of uh, people in Tasmania had a basketball team where every Tasmanian has an AFL team already. So mm. there's a few people that go, well, yeah, it'll be great to have a team down here, but I'm still going to support my team that I go for. So yeah. whether they can get people through the gates and, and fill it, I'm sure we've seen in the past, it would nearly have to be an indoor stadium, I would have thought, because you, yeah. you see the games down at Tasmania, they're often one-sided with the wind. Um, yeah. There's one scoring end and, and the conditions are, are quite challenging. So... They will have to build a new stadium, I think. Um, yeah, they, they have said that they will $60 million towards a high-performance and administration complex. Uh, the Tasmanian government's going to commit $12 million per year over 12 years. Mm. Look, uh, that, that is interesting. It's, um, you know, the construction of that new, new stadium, uh, which would be on Hobart's waterfront. Uh, look, great, um, but are you alienating... Um, you know the the other half of of the um, uh, you know of the major population, and that's Launceston. You know, are you alienating them by just sending the site so- uh, the stadium there and building it and and playing all the football there? Oh, that's a bit concerning. You might play the. Would they take the odd game away from a, a seven hundred and fifty million dollar stadium purpose built for AFL? You know what. I just I, that there's there are plenty of concerns, but at the same time, you know. Tassie have been a huge contributor to AFL football for a long, long time now. They've contributed an enormous amount of talent. The, 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 the AFL is littered with Tasmanian talent. It's exciting times for them. I, I just wonder whether it's best that we, if we're going to do it, wait until the time's right and bring two in when we know we've nailed it with Gold Coast. We've got GWS right, really nailed it in those two markets. Then might be the time. But we, it feels like to me we're a long way from that. Lols on the show next. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Triple M's Dead Set Legends for your Saturday morning. Tom Rockcliffe, Cal Ferguson, and Tomo. No Tomo to explain where he is. No one knows him mm. better than his ex-wife, Loz. Loz, <laughs> <laughs> you there? Oh, shivers, I'm on already. You're on, Loz. <laughs> is that my intro? I'm Welcome to Dead Set Legends. Hey guys, how are you going? Do you want to give some context to who I am, or do you? Loz is off the breakfast show. I was about to get to that, Loz, and uh, just say, ask how you pulled up the the hike for Hope yesterday. Mm -hmm. You you were walking for the puddle jumpers, very slowly, I must say. (laughs) Oh, look, 
Um, yeah, we didn't make the best time. There was, um, uh, you know, there have been some excuses, but yeah, I'll own that. Um, we were slower. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, how are you this morning, Rock? Because I have the flexibility of a Ken doll. Ooh. I cannot move. <laughs> I'm like straight arms, straight legs. What's going on with you? Yeah, no, I feel like a bus hit me. I was, um, yeah. yeah, I was in bed and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get out. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I rolled out eventually. And uh, now we've got you on this morning because you were on Breakfast Radio for a long period of time with Tomo, four years yeah. um, at another radio station. But everyone knows it as Loz and Tomo. That's right. Just sure. Inseparable. Yeah. So weekends with Triple M now as well. That's right. They uh, they had the yeah. morning off yep. uh, this morning. Yep. But um, so you'd be uh, going to the Bucks party or the Hens party? Bucks show. Um, no. And you know what? His lovely fiance Charlie. I don't know her that well, so it would be really inappropriate for me to show up there. <laughs> and I think it would be. I think it would be even less appropriate for me to show up to the Buck Show. I do not want to see what goes on at a Buck Show. Well, Loz, uh, look, obviously, as we just mentioned, uh, you know, worked with him for four years in Breakfast Radio at another station and and obviously still work at Triple M together on the weekends. You know, I sort of thought, well, you know, Buck Show, you know, that's probably a 50-50, but you must be in the wedding party in some role (laughs) of of some description, surely. (laughs) I'm the flower girl. Um, <laughs> so you got I an invite. <laughs> I was fortunate enough to be left off the list. Um, what? Which I'm not going to the wedding. Um, I know, and a lot of people are uh, are outraged by this. I'm um, outraged sitting here. Yeah. Look, other people have a lot stronger feelings about it than I do. I'm genuinely <laughs> relieved to not have to spend a day with him and his. <laughs> D-grade football mates. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, look, I listen, they're having a small wedding. You, they, weddings are hard because you have they to, are. once you invite someone from work, you've got to invite everyone from work. And I just, and then can you, you, me, Vinny, everyone at the wedding, it just, just be awful. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, now, Loz, um, we heard that Tomo was on Espresso Martinis at 8 a.m. this morning. Is there oh, any, God. we're going to, so yeah. Why? Why That's is right. he doing the show with you guys? Has he got to set up Very good question. or something? What? I'm not sure. He's on a bus, no. I think. He he seems to take a lot of days off these days, Tomo. He's not as committed as yeah. what, what he once was. But oh. we're, we're going to venture down to, the, to catch up um, with him. Is there any uh, tips for us? Big time. So I've been to a lot of functions with Tomo. Obviously, he wasn't in charge of the invite list uh, at these functions. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been there. But... Um, <laughs> There are a few things you need to watch out for. So something happens to him. It's a sort of natural phenomenon. Um, around pint four, uh, we right. call this creature two-eyed Thomas. Ooh. One eye works, but the other one sort of wanders around the venue for a better chat. And <laughs> he calls them his, um, his mortgage eyes. One's fixed, one's variable. So have a look for that. You'll see that. Um, the other thing that's been happening, and this is new, um, but he keeps flashing his nipples to people, men and women, no what? one is safe. Yeah, well, you, there'll be a conversation going something to do with any, it could be about anything, and he, he's, he'll lift his top up like a toddler. Um, Goodness me. And it really got us kicked out of, I think it was the Crown and Scepter, but producer Tommy, who, you know, was, he was flirting with a bartender, so he saved us there. Um, <laughs> he's also what I would call a high-risk ghoster so um it doesn't matter what's you know it doesn't matter that this is his show right 
Mm-hmm. Uh, when the sun starts to fade, he'll want to get home secretly and, and watch One Tree Hill. So <laughs> Just disappear. You absolutely Throws have to an ninja keep dust. eyes on him. Yeah, so those are, those are the things I can help you with. All the other stuff, I mean, he's going to be a mess today. Um, and all of his friends will be, it'll just, who, which one, are you guys going? Were you invited? Yeah, so. Yeah, we, we were. We got a gig. Oh, we're, we're heading off. You were invited, were you? Yeah. Yes. Rocky's going. I'm up in, up in, uh, in Sydney for the, the ODI game today, but Rocky's going to be down there. Now I'm, I'm going to ask you, Loz, because yeah. I've in, in just my short period of time compared to your decades with him and, uh, still <laughs> not getting an invite. Um, you, <laughs> I've noticed that he is one of the great toucan Sams. He hits the he hits the peak, the top of the cliff before anyone else. Now, what's his oh, yeah. ability like to stay the course? It really varies on how much food he has in his tummy and how much water he's had. You know, you need to just keep an eye on his basic sort of blood sugar levels, really. Um, but <laughs> like I said, he can fall off the cliff, and it is a combination of the nipples showing. The eyes going in the other directions. If he starts to do both of those things, you're really you're really high risk of the ghosting or something. Someone having to put him in an Uber. So you Very just look good. out for your little mate. Um, you know, a buddy system might work where one person's with him at all times. You know, I think that's a very good idea. Yeah. <laughs> a very good idea. And uh, if you want to catch Loz, she's on the, the breakfast show, 6 a.m. Mm. Monday morning. A great Number one that breakfast well. show too, Loz. Number one. Oh, yeah. Thanks, mate. Tomo's not on that show, which might have something to do with why I'm not invited <laughs> to the wedding. So have a little thing about that. <laughs> well done, Loz. All right. See you, boys. Have fun today. Dead Set Legends, Triple M. 22 degrees for your Saturday morning here in Adelaide. Triple M's Dead Set Legends, Tom Rockcliffe, Cal Ferguson and Tomo about to open up the phones on one triple three five three. Best caller gets a $100 Samtas seafood voucher. Oh, there you go. Stop it. They're back at it again, Samtas. Oh, incredible. Now, uh, the World Cup, as we know, is about to kick off in Qatar uh, over there. Um, beers. Can you say that again, Rock, for me? Beers, Fergus. No, how, how do you pronounce that? Qatar. Qatar um, or Qatar? Qatar. 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 Right. Um, Beautiful. Now, the, uh, the, <laughs> this is why we, we want to get the family involved. One, triple, three, five, three. Yep. They're, they're serving beers over there. As we know, we've just seen that there's a ban on the alcohol in stadiums, but $140 Australian per pint. Mm. And also, Jeez. some sports bars over there have... Uh, for if you want to go and watch the semi-finals and finals in their bar, like not at the venue, just in their bar to watch it on the yep. TV, four hundred and twenty-five dollars. So they're oh, not missing out. Second. What is going on here? Oh. There's, there's got to be some sort of regulations around this stuff. Like honestly, who would go and travel there to go to this event if they knew that going in? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. So what's um. Speaking of the one triple three five three to get the family involved here, what's the most you've ever paid for a beer? You a country Jeez. pub somewhere? No, nah, mate. I reckon. I reckon Vegas. I reckon. I went on a a trip to the U.S. Masters with Bluey, and I remember us um, at the end of that week. Um, you know, we were we were you know, ticking over pretty well through that trip most of the time, and. <laughs> We were getting pretty thirsty most days, so we any, anyway we we found ourselves in a couple of sports bars in Vegas, and on mate, it was comfortably um, over twenty Australian dollars, comfortably, yeah. yeah, like and 
you know, they don't miss you in Vegas. I mean, they obviously know everyone's there to party, and once you're there, you're not gonna you're not gonna skimp on much. You're there to spend your money, aren't you? So that'll lose it on the table. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you go you go to a, a place like that, you expect to pay a little bit more. You go to a, a big event like the World Cup, you expect to pay a bit more. But that is outrageous, Rock. How do they how do they live with themselves? One hundred and forty dollars <laughs> per beer. I reckon the most was uh, for me probably room service when you get a box or something like that after a oh, game yeah. when there's a a few in, in a room, it's 240 for a box or something like that. It's, it's incredibly expensive. So um, let's get involved. Let's, uh, let's see. Yes. I'm sure there would be plenty of country pubs that have made plenty of money off selling slabs off people <laughs> coming through. One triple three five three. the most you've ever paid for a beer. We'll take oh, your calls family. next. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. All right, we've got a $100 Samtas seafood voucher up for grabs right now. I get excited when Sam Tass get on board and they're back again this week. They are outstanding. But I'm not happy, Rocky. I'm filthy about this. Qatar, the pubs, the the hotels nearby the stadiums are charging like wounded bulls for a beer over there. Tell us all about it. Yes, they are. $140 per pint at the World Cup this year. So ah, it's rubbish. We're asking the, the family out there on one triple three five three to get involved and, and get a get a voucher for yourself for the best caller. What's the most you've ever paid for a beer? Give us a call, get involved. Get involved. And uh, you said you paid a little bit in Vegas for for one with Bluey. Oh, yeah, well in excess of 20 bucks a beer over there. And they, they know you're over there for a good time and you, you're there to spend cash or lose it at the table. <laughs> but they did not miss Bluey and I. Let me give you the hot tip. All right, let's head out to Alfred Broadview. What's the most you've paid for a beer? G'day, guys. How you going? Look, uh, Belgian Beer Cafe. Went there for lunch with a mate of mine. He chose this nice-looking beer that tasted all right, apparently, and I paid $23 each for them. Oh, oh my goodness. Whack, and I love that I name and shame. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't believe it. Actually, couldn't believe it. And you, look, If you went to Vegas, you shouldn't be paying for your beer anyway. If you're sitting at the uh, machines, they give you drinks for free. No, that's very true. I wasn't sitting at the tables, unfortunately, at that point. I'd already done my dough. <laughs> Let's, uh, thanks for that, Alf. Let's head out to Rob. What, uh, what's the most you've ever paid? Uh, 16 bucks. $16. Jeez, Whereabouts? Yeah, in the NT. In the Northern oh, Territory? Hell. Yes, mate. And was that yeah, a can or was it a, 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 no, a it pint? A stubby, it was a stubby buying it from the survey, mate. No. Yes. 16 bucks a stubby. Yep. That is incredibly expensive. Good on you, Rob. Yes, it is. No worries. Thanks. Cheers, mate. Let's head out to Alf at Athelston. What's the most you've ever paid for a beer? Yeah. Are you there? 22 bucks a beer, mate. Um, in Dubai. 20... My mate goes, oh. I'll shout. No, I'll shout. Anyway, cut long story short. It's over 100 bucks for the shower. Oh. <laughs> Dear me. And they're like a jar. They're like a jar. They're, like in, a, they're in a jar. What? <laughs> I wonder, how, how, how many, many did you have? Oh, we had, had a couple of couple each. I <laughs> <laughs> Singapore, Singapore was worse, mate. On the way back, thirty-five bucks for scotch. Oh, oh wow! We, we had a good time. We had a good time. Right, well good on you, Alf. Let's head out to Paul. What's uh, what's the most you've ever paid for a beer? Okay, boys. In terms of dollars, it's been more elsewhere. But in nineteen eighty-two, get this: a can of Foster's Lager at Bourbon and Beef State Bar. In King's Cross, seven dollars. Oh, oh, hang on. Inflation, that'd be about what? seventy bucks now. Probably <laughs> seven dollars in nineteen eighty-two. That was about me. probably twenty um, percent of my weekly wage. 
for one Bloody beer. Hell, yeah. For one beer. You wouldn't have uh, you wouldn't have hung around for too long. I wouldn't have thought. No. Got I, uh, drank it, I drank it very, very slowly. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoyed it all. Let's head out to Drew at Glenelg. What's the most you've paid for a beer? Not a beer, but a lemonade in Florence. I sat in a square, a, a tourist square, 14 euros. 14 euros? Gee whiz. So that's about, that's nearly double in Australian terms, isn't it? It's almost, that'd be about $25. Back then it was, in 2008, it was tripled. Oh, that's for a lemonade? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Did they squeeze the lemons for you? They saw me coming, I reckon, with my backpack on and all. Yeah, I think think they've had a lend of you there. Let's head out to Andrew at Woodcroft. What's the most you've paid for a beer? Hey, mate, how you going? Good, thanks. How are Um, you? Yeah, I was working. Good, thank you. I was working in Malaysia and it was uh, 20... I'd come back late at night from work and I went downstairs to the bar that was in the hotel and it was $28 for a beer. No, I just went. Nah, I can't afford it. I'm not going to spend 28 bucks for a second beer. So I end up going back to the room. Next night, come back can? to work. <laughs> yeah, done. Done a long day. The next day, went back down. and Thought, yeah, stuff it. I'm getting a beer. I need a beer. So went in, paid the 28 dollars again. Sat there, drunk it, and decided, am I going to have another one? Yeah, stuff it. I'll have another one. <laughs> go, go up to the bloody bar. Oh. I've got to pay me twenty eight dollars again. The guy goes, "No, you only pay once." Oh, oh, twenty. So and it was free for all. Twenty eight, oh. all inclusive. So yeah, it's a one off price. But that's one of the great results. Twenty eight bucks. Oh, you were oh, magnificent. Tucked into a few. That's cheap. That's a rags well, to riches story. If I've ever heard it. it wasn't the first night. <laughs> Not $28 for the first beer. 28 for the first, but then you can really fill your boots up responsibly, really of course. Well, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it, it got better after that. That's right. <laughs> now, let's head out to Les at Morfitt Vale. What's the most you've paid for a beer? Uh, well, actually, I'm, I'm on the other side of this. Um, I feel like I actually uh, probably ripped someone off. Oh. Um, going back <laughs> going back into the early, early 80s, um, I was going camping. It was Good Friday. In the country, uh, we've got the surfboards on the uh, on the ute, and off we head. And I bought myself a six pack. Uh, sorry, a, a slab of Fosters. Uh, can't believe I used to used to drink it, but um, <laughs> um, fifteen bucks you used to pay for it back in the day in the early eighties. Anyway, and this guy, these guys travelling through from Western Australia, where we were, you could not buy alcohol on Good Friday. And the guy goes, "Oh, can you sell me a six pack?" And I said, "No, mate. Look, I need these for the weekend. You know, I've got to, these are going to last me all weekend. You know." And he pleaded with me, pleaded with me, pleaded with me, and I sold him a six pack of Fosters for forty bucks, and I think I paid fifteen for that. Oh, <laughs> no. I didn't really want to sell them to him, but um, I did. <laughs> that that is incredible, Fergus. Over to you. Oh, look, it's it's been incredible, really. And it, it, I'll tell you what, it does sound like. When, when was the last time we had more than one Alf? call in in the same phoner because yeah, exactly. we've had two today. It sounds like the ALFs. We're number one in the ALF demographic, but also it sounds like the ALFs are just getting absolutely looted whenever they turn up to a bar. All right, guys, prize. Who do you want to give it to? It has to be one of the ALFs, Ferg. Which one? Uh, ALF number one. <laughs> ALF number one, eh? Sam Tass Seafood Voucher, uh, all yours, ALF. Sam Tass Seafood, mix and match, four kilos of premium seafood for just 60 bucks. Great phoner. Dead Set Legends, Triple M. Triple M's Dead Set Legends, Tom Rockcliffe, Carl Ferguson and Tomo for your Saturday morning. Yes, we're drawn by Dale Penny now, a caddy for Chase Kepka in the Live Golf, where he does it all outside of the US. Uh, Dale, thanks for joining us. 
Hello, boys. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Uh, you must have been happy and Adelaide boy pumped when uh, the announcement was made this week that the Live Golf was coming to, to Grange Golf Course. I mean, absolutely. I, uh, whenever I have to work, I have to travel, so it's nice to be uh, 15, 20 minutes from home. It was always good when the girls came here and it was good support from Adelaide, so it's nice to have uh, some of the big boys coming down as well. And the the vibe around the uh, Live Golf at the moment, is it... Is very different to the PGA and tournaments like that? It's it's very different. I mean, everyone's just loving being out there. The, the schedule's not as compact. Everyone's treated really well. And it, they, everyone feels like they can put 100% in when they actually get there. They don't have to sort of, as you boys know, playing professional sports, sort of monitor their energy levels and not do as much practice when they don't have to and things like that. So it, it is very different. And Dale, uh, Callum Ferguson here, mate. I'm interested to get the caddy's perspective. You know, compared to some of the other tours around the world, how have you found uh, live golf and, and do you feel it's a bit more fun and a bit more energetic? Oh, it's number one for sure. Just the, the, te- the team aspect is the biggest thing. I mean, I've, I've always grown up, loved playing in teams and loved playing team sport. And now to have that team aspect is brilliant. I mean, we were, I was lucky enough to be out with Chase in Saudi when we were try- going for the team's title and we were playing with our teammate, Jason Kokrak. And it's not often that you're fist pumping and high-fiving your team, uh, <laughs> your pairings when, uh, when they're holding parts. But it was nice to do it that week and then get a win at the end of the week. Yeah, sounds brilliant. And, and look, there's been some, uh, some chat around the world about whether it would be as competitive and what the standard would be like. You know, the guys aren't playing as regularly. How have you seen it so far? Um, you've obviously seen some of the best in the world. There's a lot of top 50 golfers playing in that comp now. It's a really strong one. How have you seen the competitive side of it and, and the standard since, uh, since you've joined? Oh, it's a super high standard. The boys, one thing that took my surprise with the live was just how hard the golf courses were. They mm. were really setting them up as hard as possible because they realised that that's what people wanted to watch rather than the soft, wide golf courses. Mm-hmm. So just seeing the boys play that kind of golf on those golf courses is amazing. And as I said, with the limited schedule, the boys aren't afraid to put extra work in and put all that extra time in. There's blokes out there I've seen working harder than I've ever seen them working their lives. Wow. So it's not it's nice to see that everyone's committed and it's it's showing the standard is very, very high. I mean, you've got arguably the two best golfers in the world right now playing on that tour and they're not winning every single week. So mm. I think that just shows. And how did you get into it, Dale? Did you uh, just grow up playing golf and then, and then get into the, the caddy side of things? Yeah, I played some golf when I was younger, when I was a junior, and then obviously footy and cricket preferred that when I became an adult and then um, got back into golf when I was about 24 and always loved caddying. My cousin was very good in South Australia and I always loved caddying for him. And then I had a chat to one of the boys that was going over to Asia. So I went over to Asia for a few weeks came back, went back to my job and then got an offer to go back over and then got asked to go to Europe and then that's when I quit my real job, as I say, <laughs> and uh, ended up caddying for four and a half, five years before COVID and it's been a bit patchy since then. Uh, beautiful. We, uh, we can't wait to have you down here and the, the Live Golf. So, uh, Dale Penny, thanks for joining us. No worries, boys. Have a good day. Thanks, Dale. Dead Set Legends, Triple M. Triple M's Dead Set Legends, Tom Rockcliffe, Cal Ferguson and Tomo. Next, Rockcliffe goes one-on-one with Greg Russ, Rusty's Garage. And uh, we're lucky enough today to have Adam Crosswaite, former South Australian Redback and Victorian Bushranger, on the line. He's played in the minor league uh, over in the US recently and he's going to chat to us about Major League Cricket kicking off in the US. Crossy, are you, are you there, mate? You've got me now, Ferg, you've got me. 
Brilliant. Great to have you on, mate. Uh, 31 first-class games, 62 list days, 26 T20s. Uh, mate, you've, you've experienced a lot of cricket and you've seen a lot uh, around the world as well. What have you seen in the minor league cricket and what are you expecting from uh, major league cricket? Uh, yeah, mate, I think one of the main things you've missed there is I'm actually a founding member of the Peninsula Pirates in the Adelaide Premier League, so <laughs> that's what's um, more important, mate. But no, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, mate, I, I spent, uh, spent winter in the US, which was a bit of a bit of a strange one, and yeah, in the minor league there and checking it out. I've, I've been watching the US cricket for um, probably about 10, 12 years, actually, randomly got involved probably 10 or 12 years ago, and um yeah, they, they invited me back to sort of set up the minor league uh, team over there in Seattle, and um, yeah, went over there, mate. It was a lot of fun, and we ended up we ended up winning it and uh, taking out the title. But uh, that was the minor league, which was I, I you'd call it semi-pro. Um, I think would be the best way to describe it. But mate, what's what's happening and what's about to happen in with major league cricket is is going to shake world cricket. I think it's um, it's going to be pretty big. So it's due to kick off uh, July 13 through to the 30th in 2023. Based in Dallas, Texas, 18-day uh, tournament. Uh, what can you tell us about what's to come and, and perhaps some of the teams involved? Yeah, mate, so there's six teams. Uh, they're starting pretty small in regards to the teams. Uh, the plan is to expand it, but there'll be teams in Seattle, uh, LA, San Francisco, New York, uh, Dallas itself, and uh, Washington, D.C. Um, so six teams. Uh, I mean, as you can imagine, the, there's, a, there's a big contingent of Indian billionaires over in the U.S. Um, mm. And essentially this is where, where Indian billionaires, the love of cricket, um, the American market, um, the numbers and the money that you hear that's thrown around over there and, and what's happening and uh, it's only going to... The money is going to be huge, which in turn will attract the world's best players um, and they're working really hard at the moment getting the infrastructure ready and the, the stadiums ready for the World Cup. The World Cup in 2024 is hosted by the US and the West Indies, uh, T20 World Cup. So there's a lot of infrastructure being built. Um, there's a... Uh, I know our good friend Trent Kelly keeps bugging yes. me to make sure he gets over there and works on the wickets because good friend the of the show. Are, yeah, good friend of the show. He's, the turf wickets need a lot of work over there, but um, essentially, mate, as you can imagine, the, a lot of their grounds are gridiron grounds, their uh, soccer grounds, or their baseball diamonds. Mm. So the circular grounds that we get used to in Australia just don't exist over there. So all of these grounds are going to be purpose built. Um, that they'll be very similar to, uh, I guess, a North Sydney Oval or a Junction Oval type of ground, like 10,000, 15,000 capacity, um, because, yeah, really the money that's going to be rep, uh, generated through it will be via TV. And, Crossy, have you seen the Americans pick the game up or is it just more the, the Indian billionaires over there that are driving this or is there a real interest from the Americans? Look, there's, there's, no, there's no real interest from american locals it's all driven by the expat market um but the the fact is that there's there's millions upon millions of indian pakistani sri Lankans, south africans australians even uh living over in um in the u.s so um the american 
the Americans are interested in the athleticism and um, I think the outfield catching is what really takes them um, by surprise and, and I guess hitting massive sixes over backward square, everything from a baseball perspective, perspective mm. is forward. So when we hit big behind the wicket, um, yeah, it really gets their attention and the fact that some of the athleticism and the plays that get made barehanded um, yes. In our game compared to gloves with uh, in their game, um, yeah, that's where the Americans, uh, it's what piques their interest. And Crossy, just a quick one. Uh, it sounds like the Knight Riders group have uh, taken a particular interest in the Los Angeles uh, franchise. I-, I believe they're going to make the purchase. Are you expecting more IPL teams uh, and owners to get involved in this? Yeah, for sure. So my understanding is that the Knight Riders have grabbed LA, uh, that the Mumbai Indians are going to grab New York. Mm. So you can imagine the two massive IPL franchises now with um, homes in LA and New York. Um, it's sort of starting to connect the world, right? So, uh, yeah, there, there's interest from um, franchises and teams around the world to, I guess, take over the management and the running of these um, of these squads. Wow. Uh, and, yeah, that's that's, I guess, where... We're, what I've been doing and trying to be doing in uh, with the Seattle franchise, we we started with the minor league, and um, yeah, that that rolls now into uh, major league cricket. Uh, brilliant, mate. Well, thanks so much for joining us and giving us that insight. You uh, won't get better insight than that, family. So thanks for joining us, Crossy. No worries, mate. And can't wait to get to Adelaide uh, for the Pirates kick off <laughs> January seven. I'm pretty sure, Ferg. That's it. Brilliant, mate. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> See you guys. Triple M's dead set legend. This motorsport update with Rusty is brought to you by Bendix Brakes. Put your foot down with confidence. Yes, on the line is our mate Greg Rust from Rusty's Garage Podcast, which you can get free on the listener app. Morning, Rusty. Rocky, good morning. How are you this morning? Now, uh, did one of the top Red Bull execs let the cat out of the bag that Dan Ricciardo is heading back there next year as a reserve driver? Well, I don't know whether this is a lost-in-translation thing, Rocky, or what's going on here, but it sounds like Helmut Marco, who is basically in charge of all of Red Bull's motorsport activities, he's sort of the, the top man, uh, but not within the drinks company, if you like. He's appointed to figure out, you know, who should be sponsored and backed and what have you. Um, very powerful figure in that, that framework. And it, it does sound like he spoke to the German press and suggested that Daniel would be the reserve driver, but... By the looks of it, some of those comments have either been backtracked on or retracted since then. Um, and if that is the case, I mean, great for Daniel Ricciardo to think that he could kind of go full circle and end up back there with the Red Bull family, if that is true. Uh, but it might create a little bit of tension with our colleagues over the ditch in New Zealand because young Liam Lawson uh, drove for Red Bull in the, the practice in Abu Dhabi this morning, and he is kind of their reserve driver at the moment. So, anyway, we'll see what happens there. Bit of friction, that's for sure. While we're at Red Bull, is everything all right with the, uh, the two main drivers? Looked a little bit awkward last week when they didn't play the team game in Brazil. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So, uh, obviously, Sergio Perez tried to help Red Bull get a 1-2 in the championship, and that would be pretty special for them if they can achieve it. Uh, Max Verstappen was sixth uh, at the time and was not keen on relinquishing the position. And they had a bit of a discussion over the radio at the end of the race, suggesting they should let, you know, that Max should let Checo by in order to help the point scenario. Uh, and he didn't want to do that. So there was a blow up on the radio. Uh, it looked a bit awkward. It's been dealt with privately behind the scenes. Um, and probably the thing that's, that's wrong here massively, uh, no matter what you think of, of Max and how he chose to deal with it at the time, it does sound like some, some heavy 
um, threats and things were made on social media, and that that stuff's just not on, no matter what you think. No, that's exactly right. And a delay in the uh, official test for the supercar teams with the new Gen 3 cars for next year. Yeah, now hopefully this does ensure that everything um, is in order by the time this rolls around. Uh, they're, they're showcasing the cars. So obviously Cam Waters, for example, is going to drive the Mustang on track in, in Adelaide um, as part of a showcase there for the final round of the series. They've been doing some testing on the official cars uh, to ensure that there's parity in relation to the aerodynamics. But, but all of the teams having a hit out together, either the Victorian squads or Queensland outfits, that won't happen until the end of January. And a few people are like, far out, we're leaving that uh, late in the game. So um, hopefully it just means that all the hard work that's going to happen with the teams in the off-season uh, will enable them to get those cars completed, built and done. going to be a big mission, but understandably that's why it's been pushed back to the end of January. No, thank you very much for the update, Rusty. Enjoy your weekend. Hey, uh, and it's been a super year uh, with all of the team there. Just want to wish the listeners a very Merry Christmas and uh, looking forward to a big 2023. Thank you. Absolutely. Been great to have you all year. Cheers. Greg Rust on Triple M's Dead Set Legends. That's Rusty for Bendix Breaks. Put your foot down with confidence. Triple M's Dead Set Legends for your Saturday morning. Tom Rockliffe, Cal Ferguson and Tomo. Show done. Yes, a, a massive helping this morning as well. We had some great guests along, Fergus. And uh, yep. what's your day entail today? Mate, I'll uh, go check into the hotel. I was on the 6am this morning to get to the uh, studio in time. So I haven't, ha- haven't had a chance to check in. I'll do that and then head to the ground with the uh, Triple M call team. Triple M cricket rocking the cricket all summer again this year. And it, uh, well, the Aussies are... Ahead of the game already. They'll uh, win this series, I think, 3-0, but they're 1-0 up at the moment, and um, hopefully we can uh, keep the English side down while they are. Hopefully uh, we get the full game away, a little bit of rain about. Potentially late, I think, but uh, I I don't think it will affect the game. I think Australia will march uh, through to another win, 2-0, take the series, and then uh, wipe them off the park in Melbourne as well. But no, it should should be all clear for the full 100 overs today. Yeah, I'm a bit worried. We're uh, we're going to venture down to the races with Tomo for his Bucks mm, party. Right. I'm a little bit worried how he's going to be, Fergus, because we spoke a little bit earlier in the show. He was having the espresso martinis, which is just not him. Oh, well, uh, I mean, who has an espresso martini with their bacon and egg roll? Oh. Surely that just calls for an ice cold frothy. Yeah, chicks responsibly. Responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, 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 o